Good to see you this morning. If you have a bulletin, I want to encourage you to get out your notes. Uh, be some notes to fill in. And again, a lot of that is put on you today. We appreciate those who are joining us by way of stream as well. If you haven't checked in on Facebook, we encourage you to do that as we continue our series on the Holy Spirit. I didn't realize as we were going through the book of Hebrews how much the book of Hebrews makes an amazing foundation for the study of the Holy Spirit. And so, again, the advantage of the Holy Spirit. And one of the thoughts that I have as we were going through the book of Hebrews, again, is true love seeks union. You know, God, the heart of God is to have an intimate relationship with us. As I think about that in the book of Hebrews, God could have just stayed living in a tabernacle, keeping man at a distance because of the sin problem. He could have stayed in the, in the temple, a more permanent building, but again, man was still at a distance. But true love really does seek union. True love really desires an intimate relationship. And I'm so thankful that God loved us so much that he not only wanted to come and walk among us, but he wanted to send his spirit to come and live inside of us. And so it really is amazing. In the Bible, there are various symbols for the Holy Spirit. I just want to just remind you of five of them. Uh, the Holy Spirit is pictured as water, as wind, as a dove, oil, and fire. And we could probably do a sermon on each of these symbols, but each of the symbols give us some different aspect of who the Holy Spirit is is. They did a survey several years back. Now, I've never been surveyed, so I don't know who they surveyed, but according to this, a little over 1,800 people who said they were Christians, and they asked them a couple questions about the Holy Spirit. They asked, what percent strongly believe that the Holy Spirit is God? I would have hoped 100%, but according to the survey of those who said they were Christians, only 25% of the people believe the Holy Spirit was God. And then they ask, what percent uh, believe the Holy Spirit is only a symbol and not actually a person? And again, I would hope that nobody would believe that. But according to this, 58% of the people do not believe the Holy Spirit is a person. I just want to, it's sad that we haven't got to know the Holy Spirit, that part of God that lives inside of us. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, which is kind of our springboard of how God created us. And let's read it again together. Would you join me? Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So God has designed us with a spirit, a soul, and a body. And so again, our soul is kind of our control room. It's the soul that makes the decisions. We have a mind to process things. And what we think about affects our emotions, and our emotions affect our decision-making, all right? And we all have an earth suit, all right? In the earth suit, again, is how we communicate to each other. And as long as you're on earth, got to have an earth suit. But I again want to remind you that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Can't take your earth suit to heaven. All right? Now, some of you will be disappointed. But for, for those of us who our earth suit is wearing out, that's a good thing. All right? And so, again, while we're on earth, got to have an earth suit. And so I just want us to say together, uh, would you join me? I am a spirit. I have a soul, a control room. I live in a body, an earth suit. 
All right? So I believe that we are spirit beings that have a soul, a control room, and we live in an earth suit. And so again, I just want you to understand the earth suit is wearing out. The soul should be in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And once you invite Christ into your life, our spirit is right where it needs to be. So I always like to visualize everything. And so here's how I would visualize a lost person. They still have a spirit, although the Bible says they have a dead spirit. In other words, it's disconnected from God. But a lost person has a soul. They have a mind. They have emotions. They have a will. But again, they're disconnected with God because of sin. They have an earth suit, so they're able to communicate just like the rest of us. But again, without God in our life, our spirit is disconnected from God. The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Doesn't mean we were physically dead, but death just means separated from God. So here's what happens again when we invite God into our life. And again, if you, over the years, I can't tell you how many times I probably have said, I've heard said, we need to invite Jesus into our heart. We need to invite Jesus into our heart. And our heart is not the physical heart, but he's talking about the innermost being of our life. So when we invite God into our life, again, most accurately, I believe we can say he comes into our spirit. So when we invite Christ into our life, I believe his spirit comes down into our spirit and it becomes one spirit. The Bible says that here in 1 Corinthians 6. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And so again, when God's spirit comes inside of you, your spirit and his spirit become one. And something radical happens in your life. So last week we looked at some verses where the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, we're a brand new creation if we invite God into our life. And again, I just want to remind you, our earth suit is not a brand new creation. When I accepted Christ, I was a skinny 13-year-old. When I got up, I was a skinny 13-year-old. My earth suit did not change. My soul, and again, there were some changes in my mind, but my mind, before I got saved as a 13-year-old, I did not know calculus. When I got up, I still didn't know calculus. Before I got saved, I was afraid of heights. I was still afraid of heights. So my, my soul was not a new creation. But there's one part of you that absolutely is a new creation. When your spirit that was separated from God, now all of a sudden God comes in and lives inside of your spirit, and your spirit and his spirit become one spirit, that part of you is radically changed. I mean, something amazing has happened. That the God of the universe that kept man at a distance under the old covenant, now all of a sudden, because of the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of the cross, now all of a sudden God desires an intimate relationship with us. He wants to come and take up residence inside of these earth suits. And so the Bible says in Colossians 2.10, you are complete in Christ. And again, the earth suit is not complete. My earth suit is wearing out. My soul is not complete. I'm still got issues in my thinking, my emotions, my decision making. So that part of me is not complete. But there's one part of you that is absolutely 100% complete, and that is your spirit. If his spirit has come to live in you, and your spirit and his spirit are one spirit, that part of you is 100% complete. The Bible says in Galatians 3 that in Christ there's neither male or female, either Jew or Greek, slave or free, that we are all 
one. Now, again, in the natural realm, that would not make sense because even as Christians, they're still male and female. And our, our thought process, again, as we talked about last week, how many of you know that men and women think differently in their minds? All right, so again, the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, we process differently. And I'm glad that God created it that way. But there's one place that we are completely united together, and that's in our spirit. And if it dawns on you that if his spirit lives in you and his spirit lives in me, in that realm, God never looks down and sees a male or a female, a Jew or a Greek or slave or free. If his spirit lives in you, we literally are one in Christ. We really are family. We really are connected in the spirit realm. Even though our earth suit is on earth, if I'm fellowshipping with God in my spirit and you're fellowshipping with God in your spirit, we really are one in the spirit. That part of us is connected together, all right? And so the Bible says a couple things happen when God comes and sends his spirit into our life. Number one, in, in uh, Romans 5, it says we have been justified by faith and we have peace with God. That word justified means just as if I had never sinned. I want to tell you, when Christ sends his spirit to come and live inside of us, the Bible declares us just. And it isn't based on your performance, because I am still a work in progress. You know, most of the time we feel like, if I can just get right over here somewhere, God will accept me and God will love me. I want to tell you, that's not true. Justification and being righteous is not based on your performance, but it's based on the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice. When he comes into our life, the Bible declares us justified. That's why we can go to God, whether we've had a good day or a bad day, because our spirit and his spirit are one spirit. The Bible also says in 2 Corinthians, Jesus became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So the Bible declares two things happen to you as a Christian. First of all, you are justified, just as if you had never sinned. Now again, you say, well, how is that possible? Because I still sin. Yeah, your soul is a work in progress, but it's talking about our spirit. Our spirit has a connection with God. Now I knew, I mean, growing up in church, I've always been told that Jesus took our sin and his body on that tree. I always had that concept that my sin was put on Jesus when he died. But the Bible goes on to say, not only did he take our sin, but he gave us his righteousness. I just want to remind you, I mean, not only did he take our sin, but he gave us his righteousness. We have a right standing relationship with God, not because of the church we go to or because of our performance. You have a right standing relationship with God this morning if you have Christ in your life. If you have the spirit of God in you, I just want to tell you, you could not have a more right standing relationship with God. Whether you've had a good week or a bad week, it's still you have a right standing relationship with God. That's why the writer of Hebrews says we can come boldly to the throne of grace, not based on your performance. You know, most of my life growing up, I was always beating myself up that I wasn't performing better. And I always told myself, if I can just do this list, if I can just get to this point, somehow God will be pleased. And I want to tell you, I could never get there. If you're living in a performance-based system, it's always defeat. 
But I just want to remind you, I'm just saying what the Bible says. The Bible declares if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you are justified in the sight of God. You have a right standing with God 24 hours, seven days a week. You can go to God because of the covenant that God made with the Son when Jesus died. The sin problem has been taken care of, and that part of you has a right standing relationship with God. Let me give you some examples. And when I was doing this, I just I, I wasn't very creative, so I just came up with Ned, Ted, and Fred, all right? So if you're a Ned, Ted, or Fred, nothing personal, all right? I just came up with those names because they were short and they rhymed. Let's say that all three of these guys have accepted Christ in their life. But let's say they're at a different place uh, right now in their life. Let's say Ned over here has kind of fallen into a sin. He's struggling. How many of you, as a believer, have ever allowed sin to kind of holds you longer than you want it to stay. We all been there. All right, so, so Ned's over here. He's kind of falling into a sin. He's struggling a little bit right now. Ted here in the middle just got a bonus check. Everything's going well, which doesn't happen very often. But Ted's having, he's having a good day. He's having a good day. He's on a mountaintop. And then Fred over here on the other side, a believer, is really going through some storms. Even though he's in the middle of God's will, I mean, just all kinds of hells breaking loose in his life. And by the way, most of us are like Fred most weeks because there's just a lot of craziness going on. But let me ask you, of Ned, Ted, and Fred, who has a right-standing relationship with God? All three. It's not based on their performance. It's not based on what kind of week they're having. The reason they all have a right-standing relationship, the reason they're all three justified in the sight of God is the blood of Jesus. It's the sacrifice of the cross. And when I was going through Hebrews, I got excited about studying the Holy Spirit because it is not based on your performance. We, have, we are so prone to kind of go by a performance-based system. But I say to the church all the time, I'm 65 years old, been pastoring for 43 years. I should have made it by now. But the, the more I go, the more I realize there is to go, and there's always something God's working on. How many of you gray hair folks would give me an amen? amen? I mean, we're a work in progress. I mean, it'll always be that way. And if God can't love us in the process, we're in big trouble. I shared in the middle service, there was Megan was here, and Megan, she shared a post sometime back. She shared a post of her little child laying on her, her chest. And the caption read, her, every parent understands, child laying on her chest, and the caption read, having a great morning. Now, that child was not contributing to the family finances. That child was not respecting their sleep schedule. How many of you know children are work? But you know, there's something about that child. And by the way, uh, a week ago, I, I, we got to watch Rhett. You can't watch your grandkids too much, at least. But he, was, he fell asleep on my, on my chest. Woo! I'm telling you, my leg went to sleep, but I didn't care. I wasn't going to wake Red up. I mean, just, and again, he might have wet on me. He might have spit up on me. That's the anointing. That's the anointing of a parent. But man, when old Rhett fell asleep, it didn't get any better than that. Can I just tell you, we're a, one of the greatest things we can do as Christians is just climb up in the lap of our Heavenly Father. 
Because you're never going to have it all together. And if you keep waiting till you get it all together to really have a relationship with God, you will never, ever experience the love of God, ever. I've mentioned Gary Presley a lot. I've really come to love Gary Presley. Gary was, he was a worker. Gary is a servant. He served as a deacon for years and years and years. He was a worker. But he says, 65 years old, man, he served and worked all of his life. 65 years old, he said to God, there's got to be more. He had an emptiness. Because the more he strived to serve and the more he performed, he just felt like there was an emptiness in his life. And he said something happened when I was 65 years old. He couldn't even really describe it. But he said, God, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this thing than performance because that doesn't satisfy. And he said, I can't even, I, I don't even know if he could explain it, but something happened where him knowing that God loved him went from his head to his heart, and all of a sudden it dawned on him that God was madly in love with him. For the first time, he's 65 years old, man, had been a deacon for years, had served God in every capacity. But when he was 65 years old, he experienced the love of God, not based on his performance, but based on the blood of Jesus. He knew that he was loved by God. I love the apostle John, who calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. I love that. No, no other writer said that, but John said it about himself. It almost sounds boastful. If I were to tell you that I am the pastor that God loves, how many of you guys would have a little problem? I am the child that God loves. But you know the reason John was able to say that, John experienced that. Can I tell you that every single disciple could have said, I am the disciple whom God loves, and it would have been correct. But John got it. John got it. He understood that he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And you are too. You are the child. You are his favorite. So am I. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. It's no wonder that John laid his head on Jesus' bosom. You remember that? The last night, John... It says the disciple whom Jesus loved laid his head on the bosom of Jesus. Not because he deserved it, not because he was a perfect performer, he got that God loved him. And if we can lay our head on the bosom of God and receive that God loves us, that you have a right standing relationship right now as a Christian. It's not something you're going to work for or get later in life right now as a Christian because Jesus took care of the sin problem. God loves it when you crawl up in his lap and just lay your head in his bosom. Isn't that crazy? If God could open our eyes to see what we have in Christ. And so... All three of these are equally righteous in God's eyes because it's not based on their performance. It's not based on what's going on in their life. It's based on their relationship with Christ. All three are justified and righteous in the sight of God. So let's again just kind of summarize. Our spirit is 100% complete. If his spirit and your spirit are one spirit, that part of you is complete. How many of you know God is not a work in progress? He's complete. 
So if his spirit and our spirit are one spirit, at least 33% of you as a Christian is already complete, all right? But our soul, our mind, our emotions, our will, our personality, that part of us is a work in progress. That's why even at 65 years old, I still have issues I'm working on, all right? And so that's what we call sanctification. So part of you is continually in the process of becoming more like Christ. That's your soul. And part of you, your earth suit, is wearing out. The Bible says we come from dust and we go back to dust, all right? So the earth suit is wearing out. I see some white hair out there. How many of you would identify that your earth suit wears out as you get older? You start to get the old man shuffle, or you start to kind of waddle, and I find myself doing that. I'm there. I, I mean, I have earned it. I'm 65. I earned a waddle, all right? The earth suit is wearing out. Your soul is becoming more like Jesus, but your spirit is already perfect because of the blood of Jesus. Not because you're a, per, a performer, not because of the church you go to, but if you have Christ in your life, if his spirit lives in your spirit, that part of you is complete. All right, let's go on. This is a saying. They say you got to hear something 10 times in order to remember it. So this is three. This is three if you were here Wednesday night. All right, let's say it together. Closer to God, I cannot be, for in the spirit... I am as close as he. Can I ask you, can you get any closer to God? If his spirit lives in your spirit, how much closer to God could you get? You literally are 100% connected to God right now if his spirit lives in your spirit. All right, so I just want to spend a few minutes talking about what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Whenever I talk about the Holy Spirit, I almost always start with what Jesus said. How many of you believe and trust what Jesus said? I don't know of any believer that would not trust what Jesus said. So Jesus was near the end of his life. He was trying to prepare the disciples. He knew he was getting ready to leave, but he was trying to prepare them that God has a better plan than walking side by side with man. That God's ultimate plan was to come and live inside of us. And so he talks about the Holy Spirit. Here in chapter 14, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you for how long? Forever. Can I tell you, once you get saved, you're saved. I don't believe you're going to get saved, lost, saved, lost. Once you truly get saved, his spirit abides with us forever. And he says here, and I, there are kind of a two big words here. One is the word another here, because there's two words in the Greek for another. One means another of a different sort, and the other means another of the same sort. I always use automobiles. You know, if you're driving a Volkswagen Bug, how many of you have ever had a Volkswagen Bug or drove a Volkswagen? Those are awesome. They're like goat carts, man. I love them. They're great to drive. But if you buy another Volkswagen, that's another of the same sort. But if you have a Volkswagen, go out and get a Cadillac, that's another, but another of a different sort. All right? So what word did Jesus use? He used the word alos, which means another of the same sort. Now, I didn't say. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be like the first helper or the first comforter who was him. The reason the Holy Spirit is like Jesus is because they're both God. So Jesus said, I didn't say, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, 
He's going to be like the first comforter. And the word helper there, parakletos, means call to one side, intercessor, comforter, helper, advocate, counselor. In non-biblical terms, parakletos was used of an attorney who appears in court for another's behalf. And so he says, I'm going to send my spirit to come and live inside of you. He goes on there in John 14 and says, The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. Why? For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. He said, he's going to come and live inside of you. You know, Brenda and I have been married 38 years, which is amazing for her that, I, that I'm still alive. All right? But anyway, 38 years. How many of you know when you move in with somebody, you get to know them? Can I get a witness? You know, when you're dating somebody on that first date, you think they are perfect. They are perfect. But when you get married, move in together, all of a sudden the light comes on. This person is not perfect. They're a work in progress. But how many of you know you get to know people you live with? Now, if you were to ask me about Brenda, we've been married 38 years. If you were to ask me, what's her favorite color? And I'd say, well, I, I think her dad told me she likes blue. If you were to say, what's her favorite restaurant? I'd say, well, it seems like somebody told me she likes Hawthorns. If you would ask me questions about Brennan, I kept telling you, well, somebody said, or I read somewhere, what would you think about my relationship to Brenda? Pretty bad. Now, let me ask you, if the Holy Spirit comes to live in you as a believer, shouldn't we get to know the Holy Spirit? I mean, shouldn't we know him on an intimate basis and not just say, well, I heard somebody said he's like this. I read somewhere the Holy Spirit's like that. I mean, we should know the Holy Spirit. He comes to live inside of us. I hope that you can hang out and talk to the Holy Spirit and listen to the Holy Spirit. It really is an intimate relationship that we can have with God because he lives inside of us. So this is on the back of your, uh, of your notes here. But let's say that Kai here is a lost person and he's going to invite Jesus into his life. Where does God come when he comes into our life? He comes into our spirit. All right? So Kai has a sin problem right now. Sin is keeping God at a distance. But he repents. He invites Jesus into his life. And so the spirit of God, watch the spirit of God. Now, how many of you see the resemblance between the spirit of God and Jesus? All right, anybody see a resemblance? I actually, I copied Jesus, shrunk him a little, and stuck him in there. You say, well, that's obvious. I want to tell you the Holy Spirit is God. That's why when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's what he's saying about the Holy Spirit. He's just like me. And if you want to get to know Jesus, get to know the Holy Spirit because he's like God. So Jesus sends his spirit into our life and God sees us through the spirit realm. That's why God looks at us. He sees us justified and righteous, again, not because of our performance, but because of our relationship to Jesus. This is so important that you don't base your Christian life on performance because you will always, always, always be defeated. So he goes on here in chapter 14 and says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you what? All things. So he's going to be our teacher and he's going to bring to our remembrance everything Jesus said. How many of you, how many of you remember growing up in school? Do you ever remember ignoring the teacher? It doesn't, it doesn't uh, do well. 
You don't do well if you ignore the teacher. Now, I didn't say, Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes in, he's going to teach you all things. How crazy is it that we ignore the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said ultimately will teach us all things, and he'll bring all things to our remembrance that he said to us. This has happened to every single one of us. We've been talking to somebody or something, and all of a sudden a verse comes to mind that we forgot we memorized. Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance a verse we need at a critical time? That's, that's the Holy Spirit. I just want to tell you, it's the Holy Spirit that is our teacher. The Holy Spirit will help us to remember. So getting back to this graph, we're just going to kind of pinpoint what the Holy Spirit does. He's going to teach us. He's going to help us to remember what Jesus has said to us. Chapter 15, Jesus goes on to say, When the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about the preacher. Who does the Holy Spirit want to talk about? Jesus. I've had people tell me, I want to study Jesus. I don't want to study the Holy Spirit. Good luck. Because you will not. I want to make a statement. You will never, ever know Jesus apart from the Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, the natural man cannot receive the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. I also want to promise you this, the more you get to know the Holy Spirit, the more you will get to know Jesus, because that's who he wants to talk about. You say, why do I get excited about the Holy Spirit? Because if I, as I get to know the Holy Spirit, I get to know the heart of Jesus. So we go back to our graph here. The Holy Spirit will teach us. He helps us to remember. He testifies about Jesus. Then in chapter 16, he says, Now I go away to him who sent me. None of you ask, where are you going? But because I said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus, again, saying to the disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away. God has a better plan than walking side by side with man. God ultimately wants to come and take up residence in your earth suit. And the only reason he can do that is the blood of Jesus took care of the sin problem. What they could not experience in the Old Testament, because sin always kept God at a distance, I just want you to know that we can experience the love of God right now because of that sacrifice of Christ. And so going back to the illustration, the Holy Spirit will help teach us, help us to remember, testify of Jesus, and also obviously be an advantage. He goes on to say there in chapter 16, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the rule of this world is judged. Jesus says one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict people of sin. I want to say without Jesus dying on the cross, there could be no salvation. But I also want to say without God the Father accepting this back, there could be no salvation. But I also want to say without the Holy Spirit convicting our heart and pointing us to God, there could be no salvation. So part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict people of sin. But I love what it goes on to say. He's also going to convict people of righteousness. I've been at this a while. I I don't ever remember one time where somebody came down the aisle and said, Preacher, I've just got convicted. I'm righteous. 
I have a right standing relationship with God because of Jesus. I want to tell you, if God opens your eyes to see that you have a right standing relationship with God right now, it's not anything you're going to work for, nothing you deserve. It's not based on the church you attend. But if you have Christ in your life, if you have his spirit right now, I hope the Holy Spirit convicts you that you're righteous. That you have a right standing relationship with God. You are the disciple who he loves. You're the child that he's crazy about. I pray that we don't have to wait to where 65 as Gary did to experience the love of God. Gary can't even explain it. I mean, he, he just can't explain it. But when it happens to you, it moves from your head to your heart. And when you experience the love of God, it will change your life. It will take away that performance-based system. So getting back, it says he's going to teach us. He's going to help us to remember. Always points to Jesus. going to testify of Jesus. Obviously, there's an advantage of having God in us. He's going to convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He goes on to say here in chapter 16, I still have many things to say to you. He knew that he was overloading. How many of you know when the preacher's preaching, you know people have had all they can take? They usually start yawning or they looking at their watch and say, God, help him land the plane. We've had enough. And so he was talking to the disciples. He knew they were overloaded. He says, I have many things to say to you. You can't bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. I didn't say that. Jesus did. He said the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Why would we not want to get to know the Holy Spirit if he's going to guide us into all truth? Why would we not want that? That is so crazy to say, I'm going to go home and read a commentary. I'm going to trust what some commentary says. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He wants to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears... He will speak. And so part of his job is to guide us. We're getting near the end. All right, chapter 16, he goes on to say, he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Now notice what Jesus says. Everything the Father has belongs to me. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. So part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. Can I tell you, in a worship service, it's more than just singing a great song. I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to glorify Jesus, wants us to lift up Jesus. And then he says, everything the Father has belongs to me. And he says, the Holy Spirit will take from me and declare it to you. So when you hear the Holy Spirit speak, you're hearing from God. You say, why do I get excited about getting to know the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus said, everything the Father has belongs to me. He's going to take from me and share it with you. When you begin to hear the Holy Spirit, that still small voice, I just want to tell you, you're hearing directly from the throne of God. So again, going back to the illustration, he's going to guide us, he's going to glorify Jesus, he's going to speak to us. I want to end with this one. I actually want to back up a few chapters. In John chapter 7, it was at the Feast of Tabernacles, and we've talked about that uh, several, over several Christmases. We talk about the Feast of Tabernacles. And on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the great day of the feast, they would go down and get a pitcher of water, and they would come up, and they would pour that water out over the altar. And by, they called it a water-pouring ceremony. And as they poured out that water on the last day, the great day of the feast, they were beginning 
beginning to celebrate how God had provided water for the harvest. But they were also praying that God would send future water. And so it was in the middle, I believe, it was on this last day, the great day of the feast. I believe personally it was while they were pouring this water as Jesus was watching and knew that God had something better than physical water, that God one day was going to pour out his spirit, living water on every soul who believes. And he cried out in the middle, I believe, of this water pouring ceremony. He got so filled with the spirit, he said, I got to say something. And so the Bible says on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his innermost being, and I would just say out of his spirit, will flow rivers of living water. People are thirsty. People are not satisfied. I mean, we can go through life being a good person, doing the best we can, but there's one thing that will satisfy your soul, and that's being filled with the Spirit of God and the love of God and the life of God. You say, how do you know he's talking about the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked. He goes on to say, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus said, I didn't say. Jesus said that every believer, out of our innermost being, out of our spirit, through our soul, through our earth suit, should flow rivers of living water. This is my, la- my last slide that I worked on. I spent hours on it. I thought, God, how do I, visualize, how do I visualize that river of living water flowing through our life? This is it. I just want you to watch. This is what he prayed for in John chapter 7, the great day of the feast. His prayer was that the river of living water, the, the, the Spirit of God would flow through our life. And so here's how I, I visualize it. It starts in our spirit, it gets into our soul, into our mind, emotions, will. It comes out of our earth suit, out of what we do, what we say. The Spirit of God begins to flow in our life, and everywhere we go, people experience the life of God. Can I just tell you, we're in a world that's thirsty. We're in a world that's looking for hope. And it's not about joining a church or being a better person. It's about surrendering to God, being filled with His Spirit, and letting His Spirit flow through our life. I am so tired of trying to be a better person. I am so tired of having lists, trying to live up to lists. I just want to receive what's already true of me, that I have a right-standing relationship, that I'm justified in the sight of God, not based on performance, but based on the blood of Jesus. I hope this week, I hope this week it dawns on you that you are the child that he loves. That he is madly in love with you, and just to crawl up in his lap, put your head on his shoulder, would mean the world to him. In Ephesians 1, Paul prayed that the church, the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. By the way, the book of Ephesians, I'll give you the greatest outline on the book of Ephesians. It's by Watchman Nee. He wrote a book called Sit, Walk, Stand. It's the greatest outline to the book of Ephesians. Sit, walk, stand. Before they're out to try to go live the Christian life and walk out the Christian life in the middle of the book, before they stand against the enemy at the end of the book, he says, first of all, you got to understand who you are in Christ. 
Because if you don't understand who you are in Christ, if you don't know that it's not about you or your performance, but it's about God living through you, if you understand that, it will affect how you live the Christian life. That's why the middle of the book of Ephesians is about how we walk it out. And the latter part of the book of Ephesians is how we stand against the enemy. You will never stand against the enemy until you've learned to walk the walk. And you'll never learn to walk the walk until you learn who you are in Christ. If you don't discover what happened to you when you got saved, that Almighty God has come to live within you, and it's not about you, it's not about your performance, it's about allowing that river of living water to flow through your life. I want to close. There's a video. There's a young boy. I've played it in the past. His name's Christopher Duffley. He was born blind and autistic. His mother gave him up. He was a drug baby. His aunt and uncle adopted Christopher. They did not realize, as a young boy growing up, that he had a a heart for music. And young Christopher Duffley, 10 years old, he gets up and he sings, Open the Eyes of My Heart. And last night, when I was finishing up this slide, I said, God, we, we need to experience that. We don't just need to know that he's in there. We need to pray that that river of living water begins to flow. The world is thirsty. They're not looking for just a better method. They're looking for the life of God. They're wanting to experience God. As Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, that God would open their eyes, that they could know who they are in Christ. May God open our eyes as we take this journey in the Holy Spirit to not just have more head knowledge, but to experience the love of God, to experience the the right standing relationship and that we are justified in the sight of God based on the blood of Jesus. He said, are you bragging? I'm bragging, but not about Roger. I'm bragging about Jesus. I have nothing to brag about. It's about two or two and a half minutes. I want you to listen to young Christopher Duffley, blind, autistic, as he gets up and sings, open the eyes of our heart. And may that be our prayer. There's probably a lot...
Let's stand together. I just want to take a minute. Let's just pray together. You know, I think about little children coming up to their parents and just raising their hand or their grandparents. I don't know of a parent or a grandparent that could not resist reaching down and picking up your children. Not based on their performance, not based on what they're contributing to the finances of your house. How do you express the love that a parent has to a child? our grandchild. As much as we love our children and grandchildren, how much more will your, does our Heavenly Father love us? I did last week, and I'm going to do it again. I hope that you guys go home and watch this again. I hope you sit before God and ask God to open your eyes. I hope you'll share the message. Hit the share, send it out. Man, if our world could understand the love of God, that what God has for us as believers, it's what the world needs. Let's take a minute. If you're comfortable, maybe if you're uncomfortable, it's okay. If you're able to raise a hand, raise a couple hands, I just want us to reach up to our Heavenly Father. And I just want you to feel Him reach down and just wrap His arms around you. And there may be somebody here today that's struggling with a sin in your life. Maybe you've been discouraged and defeated. Maybe you're going through all kinds of storms in your life. I just want you to feel God love you, not based on what you're going through, not based on your performance, but based on your relationship with Jesus. That you are the child that he loves. And more than anything you can do for God is just to crawl up in His lap and just love on Him. If anyone needs to talk about anything, to pray about anything, I will be around. I would love to spend time with you. Let's just pray and ask God to fill us with that river of living water. I think when we ask God to fill us with the Spirit, we're not getting more of God, but it's God getting more of us. I just want you to visualize that river of living water flowing out of your spirit into your soul, into your mind, your emotions, into your will, and coming out your earth suit. Let's just pray that everywhere we go this week, that river of living water would spill out everywhere we go and just minister life. Father, as your children, with our hands raised before you, not because we deserve it, but God, just based on the blood of Jesus, I pray you would reach down and just love each of your children. And Father, fill us, saturate us with your spirit that everywhere we go, we would just minister life, that the life of you would just flow through us and just love on people. And may it always point them to Jesus. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.